Wow, here we are, two years in, everybody. Well, almost two years. Maybe the second week of July will be two years, I believe. I'm not really a stickler about the calendar, but I thought it would be neat to have a cool two-year guest. So I invited the great podcaster, the Jimi Hendrix of podcasting, Mark Marin, to be on the show. And it came in a little early, the interview. So here we are. I've got Mark Marin today. That's right. If any of you are not familiar with Marin, holy shit. Head over to WTF Pod and see all the guests that he's had on his podcast. This guy has elevated the form, and he's done it all in his garage. That's right, folks. I went there. Man, I went there. I went to the garage. Everyone's asking me, are you going to the garage? Man, I went to the garage, man. I brought my gear, set up some mics. I know it's kind of like bringing a Fostex 4-track to Abbey Road. Mark Marin's little back spot, that is the Abbey Road of podcasting. And I went there, and we hung out, and I sat in the same little orange chair with the funky little cushion on it that President Obama sat in when he was in that same spot, and we jammed, because if you know anything about Mark Marin, he jams a lot on his podcast, at least plays guitar by himself at the end or at the beginning. Sometimes he's got an Earthquaker Devices pedal plugged in, he's got all kinds of cool toys, but mostly he's got this vintage gear and he's got this vintage soul, man. He is an old blues dog. And I just I couldn't wait to sit down with him and play. We just went totally bareback today in terms of guitar cable amp. I brought a point-to-point wired cornford little combo to try to get as bluesy as I can because I don't have any cool vintage amps. Mark plays through this just delicious, beat-up relic of an old Fender Deluxe combo. Man, that thing looks like it was, it's only a 50s, but you know, it's pretty, pretty vibey, that little combo. Marin, dude, we're walking up the driveway, of course, and he's like, you know, I'm not a pro guitar player, right? But I don't think in terms of pro or not pro, I think in terms of interesting, and that's the title of this show, of course, No Guitar Is Safe, episode 52, and I'm still Jude Gold. If you're doing something interesting, you are not safe from the helicopter. We might find you. And Mark does so much interesting stuff on his show, from uh, just the interviews that he does to uh, to playing guitar to having incredible guitar players on there for just incredibly great conversations. Like if you could go back and find the Derek Trucks episode from fairly recently, what a great conversation with the man, Derek, one of the greatest slide players ever. Marin, by the way, is on fire. Mark Marin's new show on Netflix. He stars in it with a bunch of great women acting beside him. It's called Glow. It's about the uh, wrestling show from the 80s, but it's uh, not to be confused with the documentary that's also on Netflix called Glow. This is like a 10-episode series, and it seems like it's a hit, and it's very funny, and Mark is just the, the uh, awesome schlockmaster director character who's dealing with all these wild personalities trying to corral them into creating some kind of cohesive show. I'm only four episodes in, but it's a pretty good show, I gotta say. Mark also has a stand-up special coming out in a few months, maybe September, October, not sure, but it's gonna be also on Netflix, which is very cool. I know, I know he already filmed it in Minnesota, and of course, man, Mark's got books. I'm gonna read you a little bit from his great memoir, very hilarious affair from a few years back 
called Attempting Normal. And also coming out in a bit is another book called Waiting for the Punch, Words to Live By from the WTF podcast. I think it's a collection of quotes and interview bits from all the, uh, gosh, eight or 900 interviews Mark has done. And again, just about everybody's been in there. And some of them, of course, Mark goes, you know, guerrilla style, like I like to do. Like when he's in New Jersey, Mark Marin goes over to Bruce Springsteen's house, hangs out with the boss. But most of the time, these cats are sitting right there in Abbey Garage, as I now like to call it. When I got there, of course, I'm like, well, here it is. It was actually, of course, <laughs> a lot smaller than I pictured, which is ironically the same kind of feeling I got when I walked into Abbey Road's The Beatles Room in uh, London a couple years back. Of course, there's the giant Abbey Road Room, but The Beatles Room is actually kind of, kind of cozy. Definitely big enough for a rock band, but not really big enough for a symphony orchestra. But man, the magic that fills both those rooms cannot be contained. I hope that we can bring some of that magic to you today. Mark's got some tone in his fingers too, man. That little deluxe and, and his Gibson with the P90s. Mark does like to play guitar. I've seen him play with Brendan Small at Brendan's comedy series called Baked, which is a live event where they intermingle stand-up comedians with guitar playing and jamming with a full band. Very cool. Yeah, Brendan's a mutual friend who's also a comedian and a badass guitar player, and he created Death Clock and Metalocalypse and Galacticon, and he gave me Mark's email like a year or two ago for an unrelated project. I wanted to hook him up with Guitar Player Magazine because he mentioned us in one of the Marin podcasts. So I said, hey, man, thanks, Brendan. I promise I won't abuse Mark's email address. And Brendan gave me some great advice. He said, well, you know, abuse it a little bit. <laughs> so here we are today because I abused that email address a little bit. Thank you, Mark, for agreeing to be on No Guitar Is Safe podcast. Remember, Guitar Player Magazine is celebrating 50 years in print. Head over to guitarplayer.com where you can always learn how to play better and sound better. So let's do it. We're going to fire up the chopper and head over to the east side, to the hipster land. Eagle Rock area, Mount Washington. Man, I don't know that area very well. Somewhere over there. And uh, head over to Mark's house. I'll see you on the other side of this interview. Marin style, I'll do a little outro. We'll talk about a couple of things. By the way, I'm playing in the Chicago area, Arlington Heights. Huge free concert with Jefferson Starship. That's right, free, everybody. Come say hi Friday night, this Friday night. Friday night freebie, folks. All right, get in. No guitar is safe. playing a little dirtier than me that's fine well you know i'm playing cleaner because uh, like I, that amp's just gonna blow out and i don't know like sometimes i'll do that and this guitar I, i'm doing it more now with like i like this guitar has got a lot of range and when i played uh the fenders the strat you know i, I would like it clean i don't like it dirty at all but this, these gibsons seem to be made to be dirty yeah, yeah. and i'm no pro but uh you know I, i've just been i've just accumulated a few guitars you know that have made me kind of pay more attention but i i don't have the 
time or energy or obsession to go down a rabbit hole with gear. I just take what I can get usually. I've bought a couple of things lately. That's healthier because otherwise you end up in that chasing your tail thing that never ends, you know? <laughs> well, I don't, like, I just like, uh, there. you know, uh, there's something about a certain type of playing that I, I like to do, you know, even more than I like listening to the music. Um, but... You know, I, I've been occupied with guitars for a long time, and I and I have gotten incrementally better uh, just by you know learning new things. But I can't, like, I don't know how to record on GarageBand, and I know it's right there, and it's easy if someone just showed me how. And I don't spend a lot of time online learning licks or anything. It, it just has to come organically, or it's not going to come. Now, you, what is this amp that we're hearing right here? I believe it's a Fender. It's a fifty-eight Deluxe, and you're hearing it, you know, you know, in in a mild zone. Um, you say 58, but it looks like 1858. I, mean, I know. Uh, yeah, it, I, I bought that. And the weird thing about that thing, somebody said it really great, um, is that when it does what it does, you know, which is when you blow it out, like it sounds, it's, it sounds like exactly the type of distortion that Neil Young uses. It's just dirty and it sustains a really long time. And if you play it with one of these guitars, like a P90 guitar, it sounds exactly like them. Like, you yeah. know, effortlessly. Some guy said it's a one trick pony, but it's a good trick. Really good trick. You yeah. want to turn it up for two seconds and just hear that sound? I mean, I don't want you to blow out the speaker, but. It's just my ears. The speaker's not going to go. <laughs> Right? That's it, man. <laughs> that sounds great. That's the real deal. And like I said, we got to get you hooked up with some kind of power soak. Anybody listening out there? Let's that see. one didn't hurt my ears, but literally my yeah. ears. <laughs> I just bought another Snark tuner. Where'd I put it? Oh, there it is. I feel like I'm out. I'm forever out. This thing, the weird thing is, let me just activate this little fucker. These are like so cheap. And like Jay Maskus took my other one. I had a garage one and he took it by accident, but he left his capo. So it worked out for me if I ever wanted to try capo yeah, those shit. Are the, those are the things that just drift from person to person. But <laughs> yeah. Between batteries and those things walking away, I just, I don't have good luck with headstock tuners. <laughs> It's surprising that this thing, which is a a classic, a historical reissue of a 56 Deluxe, right, from Gibson, West Paul Deluxe, yeah, gold top. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. When I first walked in, I thought, is that the real deal? Like, and then I realized it's, real it's deal, pretty shiny but, to be a But actual. it's not a, a real old deal. <laughs> I mean, it's as real a deal as I can afford on You want to make level. it look real? Put it, Keep it sitting next to that amp there. <laughs> Why would it happen to it? <laughs> it just, the, the, oh. the two of them yeah, together. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I imagine I'll beat it up, but like, I didn't have any expectations out of this guitar. Like, the first guitar I ever had was a, it was a brand called Copycat, and it was a gold top. I don't remember it having P90 ripoffs, but it had humbuckers on it, but that was the first guitar I had. And, uh, and then I got an opportunity to be paid by Gibson and Gear, for something yeah a couple of times and i just you know this was like i played a lot of different things but this was it because i was i was really a fender guy but this yeah. thing these this type of single coil like the way these things are like the like my buddy dean says the perfect hybrid between fender and gibson these p90 things oh man and this thing like i can't put it down and i've got other yeah. they get i've got a couple 
I got four Gibsons now, five, including the acoustic. And these old fucking tuning pegs, these, look at these. Those are like, they, I even put those on. I don't even know what those are. They're almost like toys. I love those. They're they so stay in tune better than the other ones. And they're lightweight, man. They keep, keep the tone, I think. They're just, Do they? They're so light. Yeah, I, I don't know the, the nuances about that. Or whatever, the Grovers, you know, they're... Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. But like this thing, I've been playing it a lot. Hey, let's noodle for a second. What the heck? Okay. You know? On what? Some sort of uh, slow <laughs> shuffle blues and, you know, Fuck A yeah. or E. <laughs> do it, man. You do it. Uh, sh- uh, a, did you say A or B? A or E. A or E. How about A? See, now I'm too loud. I'm going to do a rhythm, a rhythm pickup with a clean tone. Cool. And that's going to go against your dirt. Yeah, I'm always perpetually dirty. All right. Let's try it. I'm literally turning my knobs trying to get my tone halfway as good as yours, and I brought a hand-wired, you know, Cornford amp here. Yeah. It's not a fair fight, man. I see it. Oh, that's, that's good. Something like that. Caught you off guard with the ending there, and uh, right. the glasses fell off. I sweat immediately when I play <laughs> guitar with other people. That's why I don't do it much. It's embarrassing. I think it's nerve. Dude, no, you sound great. I feel like I'm playing with the real blues cat, and I'm like the fake blues cat because you know that's what you do. <laughs> that's you all do I the, do. You do. But you explain that riff like I've been like like out of nowhere. Yeah. Like one of the first like leads I learned really early on. I don't even remember yeah. who taught it to me. Was that um. 
that honky-tonk riff, you know? <laughs> it's like, it. you know that... What is it? I was so excited when Dude, I learned how to do that. That's... I, I, from blanking on the name of the guy who played that guitar solo... But that's one of the best guitar solos I've ever yeah, well, heard. That, well, you doing that riff that I just yeah, started. I, like, I totally a, bit that riff. It's what is it? It's like. Here, uh, I'll play underneath you. Three, four. Well, then there's like, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, like. Uh, That's the best fucking and then that solo walked out. ever. Yeah, yeah right. Right, yeah, right. That's the perfect solo. So, yeah. like the transitioning yeah. from from uh, you know minor to major in yeah. blues is tricky to me, and I get I you know I'm sort of uh, like if I learn one or two licks a year yeah. that I can build from, you know that's me progressing. Like I'm doing it all from feel, and my finger like you know when I play with somebody, I start chasing myself a little bit, and I don't like I'm not as uh, you know my phrasing is not great because I'm like you know I'm just trying to get through mm -hmm. things, but. Um, but I listen to the Peter Green stuff a lot, and Jimmy Vivino shows me licks sometimes. Uh, yeah, he's cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you you know, people start off playing blues with a pentatonic scale, which is so comfortable. So yeah. It's built for the human hand. Right. Yeah, that's all, that's all I really know. And it, you can make it work through all the blues, but people <laughs> uh, people don't realize always that, uh, and you know, the blues is actually a pretty intricate set of changes. And, and on that song, and I'm kicking myself for not remembering i think it's billy butler who's playing that it's guitar not Wayne eddie it's uh I, I forget the guy's name now I, it's uh, like the i thought the album was billy butler and was he I, that, also i mean I, there's so many versions of it but the original honky tonk let's yeah. see instrumental honky tonk yeah billy but bill doggett now what he's doing is he's playing the changes like you know in the first part he's got the major third of the g see like you just lost me so what's the so right. you know it's all just nerdery there's your third the b oh yeah oh that thing yeah and then when that then it goes to the four chord the ninth. And, that, and the b drops to b flat for the for the four chord okay and so now his b is going to drop too right right so, right you know, it's just a matter you know it's like getting nerdy with the changes right but this thing's things. cool that's it that's the what? That's the exact same thing. That's the B but right there. But this is a G here, right? Yeah, he's playing the B for the first part, and then he goes to this part, and he's playing B flat. So both those things, just you know. Yeah, they yeah. just started popping back again <laughs> because there's a Peter Green does it. You know, if he's playing, 
You know, going up to that G. Yeah. Like I like that thing. This whole thing, this uh, that Albert King thing, you know. Yeah, that's and shit, I guess man. it's BB too, but. I love it, man. Just fucking so do that all life, all lifetime. But like, that, like, thing, all like, lifetime. I, like I when I pick something like that up, and then, like I'm like, wow, that you can just do that. Like it's like when I learned that thing, yeah, which took me a while to get my fingers around, but it's like that. That just changed. Uh, that did something to my whole ability to move through stuff. And I think that was a buddy guy thing that I got it from. I don't know who did yeah. it first. And that this other thing, you know the. That That's another yeah. thing, right? There's so many killer little fills like and that. And this thing. I love that. My little I one was it. Albert King where he's on the four chord. Yeah. And he goes. Oh, yeah. That's playing. That's like so deep. And then up to the top. Yeah, yeah, that's good. How about Steve Rivon? I love yeah, licks yeah, yeah. over the four chord, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know what? I got to thank you because I've been reading this book. I picked up this book like... My Attempting Normal book? Yes, Attempting Normal. I first picked it up in the bookshop, and I'm a kind of a reader. And yeah. I was like, I'm like, holy shit. You know, everyone's got their book, right. you know. But I'm like, holy shit, this is actually a good book. You know, I've read <laughs> David Sedaris, and I've yeah. read... I know what these kind of, you know, memoirs. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this shit holds up. And now I'm finally reading it, and yeah. uh, I have to thank you first. Well, first of all, it's just so funny. If anyone's not read this, can I read a little piece of it? Yeah. <laughs> like everyone knows you got cats. You're like, in, this is a cat chapter. I want it to be known now that I am not a cat guy. I'm a my cat guy. I don't care about your cats. I will pretend to if I come over. I will say things like, oh, look at that little cute little cat. Yeah. Secretly, I will be thinking, what a sad, fat, ugly, dumb cat you have. Look at that thing. <laughs> it's a feline train wreck. It looks like it's days away from hanging itself from its scratching post. It can't even muster up the gumption to play with what's left of that fake mouse you get it. What, it doesn't go outside? It's just a hostage to your pain and neediness. Yeah. Wow, you should probably put that cat down before it dies of ennui. Ennui, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you don't say all that, of course. That was a bit. There's just so many. I just, I think there's just such like a parallel or a connected soul thing between the blues and like dark comedy that uh -huh. go together, which we can talk about. But before we get to that, I really wanted to talk about this chapter from on guitar. Yeah. Because you introduced me to what I think is the most rockin' live track I've ever heard. And I just heard this yesterday. Chuck Berry, live at London Sessions, Johnny Be Good. That, there's no better live guitar performance that I've personally ever heard. It starts off where he's just rocking. The crowd's yeah. crazy. They're singing the chorus by themselves. At one point, he's even playing a guitar lick, and they're like answering it with the screams. And then, like you know, they they will not leave. The, the promoter's like, "You got to leave! Please leave the building." Mr. Chuck Berry, please. Where? I mean, that's an incredible track right there. Yeah, I remember that. Like, I, I have that London <laughs> Sessions. That was the first time. I had that. I don't know where that live album came from. Look, there's about 
2,000 people outside waiting for another concert. I, mean, I knew it was in my parents' collection somehow a long time ago, and I remember My Dingling is on that. It's actually the one hit he had, big hit, I think, My Dingling, which was a live track from that thing. Hold it. Listen, if you be quiet for 30 seconds, we'll tell you what's happened. 30 seconds, that's all I ask. I don't remember who that band was. But the, the, the London Sessions, they did one with Chuck, and they did one with Muddy, and I think Muddy's band is like Rory Gallagher and a bunch of cats. And oh, yeah. Like, I never got into his trip. Like, I couldn't lock in for some reason, but I don't remember who plays on that Chuck thing, but the Chuck Berry rhythm of that bounce that he gets through, like, when I learned how to do, you know, that, just that... Yeah. Like I was yeah. so like that was all I needed it seemed I and know. then like I but like he like years later like recently you know like to really realize what makes him great it took that uh, that that documentary with Keith Richards you know to to really you know like anybody can do that shit like just bar band shit like I mean that's a problem with the blues and yeah. Chuck Berry songs is like anybody can sort of get through it with a certain amount they can fake feeling or whatever but it's very easy music to play but you. You know, to make it your own is this whole other thing. Like it's like listening to that that New Stones record, which is all blues covers, and they're not anything that any bar band couldn't play or anybody couldn't play really. But to hear those guys do blues numbers from that period, you know, fifty years, sixty years into their careers, and completely own it. I mean that that's really the difference. You know, I don't know what creates that, but but no one can play Chuck like Chuck. You know, and everybody plays Chuck. It's a weird thing. It's funny too, because who who knows? So simple. I know it's it's the essence of rock and roll, and the, when you hear when you hear that song, it's like that's what it's about. That's a that guy's up there kicking ass, winning over every person in that audience. Then the record labels are going to jump on a guy like that and make him famous. You know, kind of yeah. It starts originally. I think you know the, the true great stuff starts with that that connection, and you can really hear it there. The funny part too is that band, like so many of Chuck's bands, you can tell that they. Had, had never played in, with him before right, yeah because the ending is an absolute train wreck yeah, like yeah, they don't yeah. they're not train expecting wreck endings and they're not expecting it they keep playing for another bar or so and it just kind of breaks apart yeah. like a satellite entering the atmosphere just <laughs> yeah 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 i i you know i kind of got back yeah. into him i go back to him though you yeah. know every few years and sort of listen like there was a, a few years ago i remember how long ago i started listening to you know deeper cuts that yeah they were hits but like too much monkey business. You can't catch me. Like too much monkey business. Lyrically, it's just astounding. Like you yeah. know, like it's like it, 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 like there's no whether he'll admit or not. Like there's no Bob Dylan without that. Without too much monkey business. <laughs> Running to and fro, hard working at the mill, never fail in the mill. Yet come a rotten bill. Too much monkey business. Too much monkey business. Too much monkey business. It's lyrically one of those stunning things. Same with You Can't Catch Me. You know, yeah. those two are like, you know, they're just like lyric powerhouses. Well, I'm just a big fan of your podcast, and uh, I have to thank you for it. It was genuinely moving when you, after Chuck died, and, and you read... Uh, Derek Walcott and Rollover Beethoven. Yeah. yeah, you read over read Rollover Beethoven lyrics. Yeah, as poetry, as poetry, spoken word. It was astoundingly powerful. Oh, good. You know, 
Good. Wanna, maybe I can find a clip of that show or yeah, something. Yeah, do it. I don't know if Drop it's it in there. Roll over Beethoven. This is by Chuck Berry. I'm going to write a little letter, going to mail it to my local DJ. It's a rock and rhythm record. I want my jockey to play. Roll over, Beethoven. Got to hear it again today. You know, my temperature's rising and the jukebox blows a fuse. My heart's beating rhythm and my soul keeps on singing the blues. Roll over, Beethoven, and tell Tchaikovsky the news. I got the rockin' pneumonia. I need a shot of rhythm and blues. I think I'll... I got the rockin' pneumonia. I need a shot of rhythm and blues. I caught the rolling off the rider sitting down at a rhythm review. I roll over Beethoven. They're rockin' in two by two. Well, if you feel it and like it, go get your lover then reel and rock. Because I was comparing, like, it was really interesting because Derek Walcott also died, who I, I knew briefly. Yeah. I found one of his poems because he was a poet laureate. I mean, he was, I think he probably won, I think he won a, pro, a Pulitzer. And uh, and I just read them back to back as poetry to sort of elevate yes. Yes. Know, Chuck's, uh, you know, importance. Yeah, that was the, I had an agenda yeah. with that one. The rock awesome. and roll agenda. So I got to be fanboy for a second. I yeah. mean, you know, I'm in the garage, man. You know how I've only told a couple of people that I was coming over here today. They're like, dude, are you going to the garage? I'm like, I think I'm going to the garage, yeah. man. You're here. Yeah, this is cool. Do you allow pictures in here at all or a yeah. couple? Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a very well photographed, uh, cluttered is space. This, am I in the Obama chair? Yes, that's the Obama chair. That's pretty crazy. That like ugly that. orange chair. As an I interviewer, painted. I mean, how do you do you get, and I can say this because you were nervous when you were interviewed Leslie Stahl recently. You told her, I got him nervous because you're such a great interviewer. So I feel, I'm feeling the same boat. But of course, now we're just chilling with guitars and, yeah. I, and I feel really comfortable. But yeah. How were you before Obama came Well, over? I only had a certain amount of time with that one, so there was a lot more preparation than I usually do, for better or for worse. So, you know, I, yeah. I, there were things I needed to get to, and there was a structure to it yeah. to, to avoid too much wonky political political talk, you know? So that one was a lot more structured. Yeah. You know, once he came over, you know, I was not as nervous as I have been with other people, you know, because I, you know, I knew, you know, this is the president. He's a professional. <laughs> He's not, you know what I mean? He's going to show up for his uh, side of this thing. But it was really a matter of getting to, you know, who he was the best I could as opposed to, you know, who he is. Or not who, like, you know, who he is in a sense that, like, you know, it's the president and, you know, he's a professional politician. But, you know, who who is that guy? I read his first book before he had presidential aspirations to, to sort of, you know, tap into what I could sense was... The, right. the person in there and in there i think there were moments you know yeah yeah and you know you're right so maybe in a way you know you're dealing with a professional interviewee and, and he's going to help make it a cool situation well, it was but. just really a matter of to, to try to stay out of the weeds you know because he yeah. can you know he's he he, he can be long-winded but if i kept it personal ah. that you know maybe we could stay on top of it because i you know i'm pretty you know i don't i don't it's hard for me to honor his pauses or silence though i've learned how to do it more but you know, I was finishing his sentences and calling him man, and you know, I, I definitely he, he definitely put me at ease. You know, he's just a, a yeah. guy. It was sort of interesting. It's sort of bizarre that the most powerful man in the free world was here. It's hard to picture him, like you know, or any president of the U.S. fitting in this cozy. Well, there's a lot garage. of people around, but like once yeah. he came in here, there was just a Secret yeah. Service guy behind me. Like by the yeah. door there, but it was just the two of us in here, and then everyone was out. Yeah, everyone the, else was out there. People on your roof and stuff. Yeah, the snipers next door, and there were cops all over, and Secret <laughs> Service, and then staff, and there was a lot of people listening out on the deck. We'd set up a, a listening table with about five sets of headphones, and the White House was recording it as well, and the White House photographer was here. 
So it was That's a bit no much, doubt. but like I actually was just sitting in the house before he came with my producer. It was just the two of us that managed the whole thing. And, yeah. the, and, and I was playing my guitar. I was playing that. I had just gotten a 335. Yeah. And I was just wandering around with it just to stay, you know, focused and not, you know, kind of stay in me, you know, con- yeah. so I could, you know, at least show up for the thing. Isn't that one of the great powers of the guitar, too, that it can calm us, those of us who fall in love with this thing? Yeah. It's, th- it's like therapy that... Oh, no, I do it. Yeah, I do it all the time. I'll sit there and watch TV and play sometimes. And sometimes, yeah. like, I, I'm a little frustrated right now with, with um, like, what I need to do now outside of play with other people is, you know, like, I, like that, I just figured out that thing yesterday. You know, like, I knew that Peter did this, you know, that Peter Green does that, you know, what is it? That... But then when I was fucking around the other day, and I, you know, with uh, it's some other thing, he did it lower. So it's a so like that yeah. that thing. Like I'm very yeah. excited about that. So like, yeah. like I just keep putting Dude, that into things. You're playing changes, man. Yeah, but like I could use some new scales. Yeah. I don't really want to learn licks. I like learning licks on my own. You know, and licks are yeah. like I'm a, I'm definitely. A, a, a kind of a lick based player but you know within those things is where you know like as simple as a pentatonic scale is it seems to be endless in possibilities as is music that you know most of like yeah. I listen to solos now because I listen to a lot of vinyl and so many of the great solos you know pre you know uh, noodles you know pre kind of like you know uh, you know shred <laughs> pre shred yeah, exactly. We're very simple and, yeah. you know, in very powerful and very succinct. But if you listen to some of those, it's like, it's all pentatonic. It's yeah. a very, you know, like, like the most searing yeah. solo that like changed your life is, it, it's just phrasing and pentatonics. It's not like shredding, shredding. Like I get exhausted when I hear it. I, it doesn't connect with me. You know, Stevie Ray is about as close to appreciating shredding. Um, but, and he's really a lick bass player. Yeah. It's just speed. But like there's other fast guys who are, are uh, lick plays blues players that they they there's a groove I need I need some swing to it. like if I listen to Johnny Winter it's like you're kind of amazed but he doesn't settle long enough to you know yeah, to, yeah. to like you know find the 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 groove to it sometimes. Well yeah I mean even Van Halen who's a shredder I guess he ninety percent of what he plays is pentatonics. But yeah and, and it's very tasty yeah. yeah because like everything lands you know like and yeah. like and he like. He shreds, but you know, you're sort of like, all right, this is a tricky nose. But like his phrasing was monumental. Yeah. And I think a lot of those shredder guys, they don't pay a lot of attention to phrasing. They're just filling those spaces. Yeah, and they haven't really paid their dues, really locking in with bands and, and being right. in the rhythm section underneath a singer for 1,500 gigs before they made it. And, yeah. You know, so. I took a couple slide lessons once yeah. or twice. But I didn't stay with it. Like some guy showed me that. I think it was an open D tuning, and like because I was like obsessed with the song "Rolling and Tumbling," Muddy Waters' version of it. I thought that yeah. you had to figure out how to own that song to be like a good blues player. And I would play it without a slide. And then the dude showed me like you know how that works, that slide work. But I I didn't really stay with it because like I don't know how. It's like blues is 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 what I play, but rock is what I listen to for the most part in jazz now and country and stuff. But I yeah. like playing blues the best, but I didn't want to get hung up on... Because, like, you know, slide playing is very specific. You, you know, if you're not going to do it like Ry Cooter or, or, or Derek yeah. or Dwayne, you know, it's like, what are you doing? 
can't fake it, you know. It's you like can't someone... fake it, but also that old sort of like open tuning acoustic oh, uh, yeah. blues slide. It's great when Fred McDowell does it, and you can kind of do that, and and you can get away with it. That's the thing about the blues. Like if you're an okay guitar player, you can get away with it. Yeah, you can sneak it in there and stuff, but there's going to be like some clanky finger noise, and you're some... that's all right. And I'm you're... all about it's fine with me. Sloppy's good. <laughs> well, that's the, you know obviously the art of it is muting the strings that aren't being slid. Or, or, yeah, and I mean, then, fortunately, uh... I, as as limited as I am, I you know I I, I have a like yeah. I had to, like I was doing down vibrato, and I'm pretty good at muting things. I got a good sense of it because I can have an ear for it. I have a Jew blues ear. But um, <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Uh, no, they're like if you like you look right. at Bloomfield or like there, right, right. There's some other cats that were, you know. There's something about, I don't know. They're they're around, but uh, I think Peter Green is might be genetically Jewish as well. I'm not sure, but it doesn't matter. I'm not, but I like I I do take to the music, and if there's a history of suffering, it's somewhere back there, you know. Well, I mean, what is the connection to me? This the comedy, like getting up and playing a you're playing a low rent comedy gig and playing a low rent blues gig there's something similar to those or well, even just know, the music the comedy you're doing by yourself and you know it's really about that you don't like i've not learned how to be comfortable on a, a stage with playing music i've done it a few times and i've sung and I, and I like it but there's still i still feel like a bit of a fraud you know with stand up you know you're moving through you know disarming pain sure you know that's definitely a part of it but but the the actual ta- you know taking the stage in either way you know as a musician or as a, a comic is very different you know you don't you're not you don't have much pr- protection as a comic you know with yeah. with with as a musician you can always like yeah and then it's like oh he's playing now as you can yeah you always can hide behind the guitar a little bit but if you're actually up there singing lead and leading uh, it's very very vulnerable I have very frightening to me yeah, but or, I overcame the fear a little bit yeah well, t- how did to. your first comedy gig compare to your first band gig which I don't know how many gigs you've really done in your book you talk about playing oh did parties. I did I write about that that well I didn't sing in that band in high school and we only knew a few songs but the one time I did it at music camp it was devastating and then like I don't know I somehow overcame it a little bit like I you know yeah. f- recently a few years ago I sang I sang a, I, I sang a Grateful Dead song and a Velvet Underground song with the with um, uh, Grant Lee Phillips Cool and uh, Mark Rivers on drums and that dude well, I always forget his name the bass player um, from uh, Jigglewatts what's his name Hold on because that like he's good it's a band that Greg Barrett used to put together Yeah I remember you talking about that show I think a couple of years ago on on your podcast But then I played with Brendan too and I think I sang yeah. a little bit uh, Yeah Dave seen. Gibbs is his name and. The guy that Brendan Smalls, the guys that he plays with are, you know, real pros. Oh, it's yeah. so good to play with pros, man. Because yeah. you can if they can make the pocket, like, you know, I talked to Steve Jordan about this recently. It's like, I was listening to Get Your Yaya's Out, the reissue, you know, the Stones. And it's yeah. like, I, I never really fully got the Bill Wyman, Charlie Watts thing. But if you listen to Get Your Yaya's Out, it's like, it's all them. And that thing would just fall apart. If it wasn't for them, because they make this pocket where those, you know, where Keith can just be as messy as he wants. It's it's astounding. That's what I got. Hey man, I got a guest for you. How about Daryl Jones? You had him on. I just met him. I just met I him. I got to text him. Uh, yeah, I just met him 
the other day. I mean, I re-met him. I actually had the good fortune to have lunch with him like four years ago, thanks to Stuart Ham. Yeah, I should text him. I should text him. Like, I met him at the airport, and he recognized me. We sat, we talked for like an hour yeah, on the yeah. way to London. I just watched him play a backyard party uh, two days ago, and then I meet him the next night Yeah, in a small restaurant. I paid him short shrift. <laughs> I feel bad. I met him, and like, you know, I don't yeah. even acknowledge him, because like, in my mind, the yeah. Stones without Bill, and I brought that up with Keith, and Keith's like, what are you talking about? Daryl's been with us for 25 years. I'm like, I felt oh, yeah. bad. I didn't... I didn't feel like an apology happens, was necessary, man. but Steve Morse is still the new guy in Deep Purple, and he's been there way decades longer. What than was this a band of Dixie Dregs? Was yeah, Steve yeah. Morse the Dixie Dregs? Yeah, Dixie Dregs, and he did Kansas for a little while, but you know he's done Deep Purple way longer than Richard Blackmore. Deep Purple guy. I know, but it's just funny. He's still the new guy, even though he's been in there like twenty six. Well, it's because <laughs> like the you know the other guy invented it. You know, you, you, it's you, totally you, true. You know, the inventors yeah. are gonna. You know, in music, yeah. it's one of the few places where they actually. Sometimes they get the credit, right? So Keith, I've said Keith, as people call him. Keith Richards, you got to meet him in New York, and that was a great episode. He got you to smoke a cigarette for yeah. the first time in- Like a decade? Dec- yeah. What if he was like, no mock? Blow? Yeah, no, no, on. not blow. How about just a, a shot of whiskey or something? I, don't, I couldn't do it. You'd I wouldn't be, do you'd, it. You'd, you'd, so the cigarette was, yeah. You, but yeah. It's, keeping the sobriety streak is uh, obviously a bigger streak. Bigger yeah, yeah. I, there's something like about his like groove, and that's not even right. Uh, but he plays open tuning. But it took me a while to kind of get him too, even though I loved him for a long time. Yeah, the sobriety thing is like I knew that I'm on the nicotine lozenges that I had a I had a buffer. Like I knew that yeah. I had, you know, like that my needs were being met. Right, so right. I, I didn't really I don't really want to smoke, like because yeah. I'm on the nicotine and I've been addicted to lozenges for years. So I knew smoking it at worst would make me nauseous. Yeah. But I knew that it was not my preferred delivery system. I knew there was no risk of me going back to cigarettes. Right, right. But you thought maybe a one single shot. Like well, that would fuck up a lot, a long time. Like, you know, it's a mental thing. You know, once you get, like, right. uh, coming up on 18 years, I think. And um, is that right? Yeah, 18 years yeah. in August. It's just sort of like, you know, you don't want to throw that time away. I mean, it happens, but, like, I don't want to start again. And, yeah, you don't know what's going to happen because, like, with all that sobriety in your head, if you do fuck it up, you're probably gonna go to town. Yeah, you know, the right. odds of the odds of you taking a drink and then being like, "I just fucked that," you know, a decade, two decades worth of sobriety. Like, well, let's go for broke. It's a lot more dangerous. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, you know, I don't want to lose that. Yeah, you don't want to fuck with that. I mean, no. Bummer at meetings too. Yeah, I'm back to two days. But <laughs> it's the beauty of meetings too. It makes people realize that like it's dangerous and it can fucking kill you. Most of the guys that go out at my age, they don't make it. If they're dopers or something, like, guys who go out after 18, you know, 20 years, they, they die. Dude, that was so funny on your interview with, uh, what's her name, Genji Cohen? Yeah. She's your producer on Glow. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm telling my buddy, I'm like, hey, man, this is the new Marin show. is really great. Yeah. He's like, which one? That one? He points up to the billboard. Like, you're on billboards now all I over. <laughs> on Marin for Marin or for- No, for- uh, For Glow? For Am Glow. I on billboards? Uh, well, oh, the little guy. And, the, yeah, you're in the, there, man. So you and two other actors, yeah, you yeah. know. Betty and uh, Allison. And it's <coughs> Allison. God, how great is she at playing that? It's uh, a fucking. That's a great part. <laughs> I was gonna say it's just so funny how, I guess the writer Carly or whatever you're you're like. I think I'm gonna play my character like this. He's gonna be like this, and, yeah, he, and he's not gonna chop the coke. He's gonna do it with a spindle at the a, you know, a bindle and a do it, spoon. Take it from a bindle with a pen top or a key. <laughs> And they're, not share. and they're looking at you like half horrified, oh, yeah, like yeah. completely. We're so glad you're here, yeah. but so mystified too. Yeah, like yeah. we got the right guy. Yeah, yeah. That was a perfect casting. I mean, yeah. What kind of pick you play with? Medium, 
course, like Lou Reed. No, I'm just kidding. I know I changed, man. Like it's so weird. I'm yeah. back to these. Like I pay, I play with these like fucking oh, monster dude. picks, dude. That's like a boomerang. You could. That's a throwing you star. Know, it, you could I kill don't know somebody when with it that. happened, man. You know, like I don't know why. You know, buddy guy gave me one of his picks. You know, and I. Like I never didn't talk to him. I was just fanboy. He didn't even give it to me. Some guy in his band gave it to me. I, yeah, I didn't get to talk to Buddy. Right. But like my first guitar teacher, Vaughn McMillan, uh-huh. used to play with quarters that he'd file down. Like he he you know file each side down. So I had uh, like, yeah. and then he play, He had these stainless steel picks, and I was like, God, how you do it? You know. And for years I played with mediums, and I moved to heavies, and then like I'm back. Like then I went to V pick, and for some reason. This is an Ed King signature pick. Ed King, the original guitar player for Leonard Skinner. Awesome. And he apparently used to play with seashells, and they made him this pick, and it was just, it has these beveled edges, and it's a big triangle, and it's thick as hell. Let me take a picture of that. You, want to hold you that should up? get the one off. Is there one up? There's one that, you, if you can buy you just, him. Can you hold it up? Or just like, yeah. like this or something? Yeah, if you buy him, they'll send you a card, an autographed card from Ed King. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious, but I just like to pick. Yeah. But I have one of the I have one of them somewhere. But uh, but now I'm back to playing with just these rocks, and I don't know that I can do it. I think it yeah. makes a difference. And also, I was playing with these for a little while from V Pick. These um, this this well, V Pick yeah. Memphis, which has actually got a thumb pocket in it. Dude, you're playing with murder weapons, man. These are like throwing stars. Like I thought that was really cool for a while. It's yeah. got that weird curve to it. <laughs> Dude, you're getting some, huh? You're getting some great like Peter Green tone out of those like in P90s. Yeah, like that. Well, I think you like the propeller blade. Well, I, call, I call it the propeller blade, where you get the V edge, the, the beveled edge. It yeah. makes such a difference. Like for me, I just like a pick that's been played a bunch, and yeah. so both sides get that symmetrical, whoosh, like a I call yeah. it the propeller blade, like on a. This one's all thrash, but yeah, I, I yeah I do I, I like it when they break down. That felt, that pick felt pretty good, and I stopped yeah. using those. I don't know why. So you I don't do. mess with open tunings much? Like nah, a, I don't know what to do with them. Dude, okay, hold on a second. The trick is to get like a Keith Richards tuning and maybe tune the third a little bit flat. I don't also, mess around much at all except for playing licks, and I you know and and yeah. sometimes I'll drone out you know but like it makes I'll, the like, tone sound better. I swear, listen to this tone. Yeah, you yeah, can't that's fuck it. Yeah, with yeah, that yeah. Tone. Like you could play the similar bar chord, right? But it will not sound the same. All right, so you play it, play it the way you just played it, and then uh, try it this way. Grab this guitar. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the power of Keith Richards right there. Isn't yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's the middle position on those tellies is the best. The middle position on a telly, man. Chaos so fucking good. I I love seeing how songs go back to each other. Like I have this theory that that one of my favorite like Van Halen licks came straight from the Stones. Yeah. Like Unchained, you know, that part it, to me it sounds like it was influenced by Like he bit that and he put it through some fire-breathing marshals sure. and like And then if you hear like uh, 
if you listen to Honky Tonk Woman, which yeah. obviously comes out of a blues tradition. Country. Country and yeah. there's no bass, it's just one guitar and like a big drum sound, a yeah. big room sound. And I then think the bass it's, comes I, in on the chorus. I think that, it's Mick Taylor too, isn't it? I don't know. I think so. But, I think that's all Mick Taylor and, and Graham Parsons influence. And when it, the bass comes in, like that's the exact blueprint that ACDC, which is kind of like my generation. Oh, yeah. The best. For, for uh, You Shook Me All Night Long. It's the same blueprint. They come with the drums and one guitar, and then the bass comes right, in on the big chorus. And right. the G, it's like well, the, Keith likes uh, ACDC, and I think they probably were doing that earlier. Yeah. yeah. Angus is probably the best guitar player. Like, I, you know, like, like I'm working up to trying to sit down with some of that stuff. He's a great example of just a fucking straight-up pentatonic player and just so rock, so hard rock, but oh, yeah. it's all fucking blues riffs and country riffs. I mean, he's all... Like, there's so many country riffs. I That's love so the true. way he plays guitar. I can't get enough of it, really. Those first five or six oh, yeah. ACDC records that were well, really me, clean. I mean, you talk about, like, life-transforming events on your podcast a yeah. lot. For me, one of the... There's been, like three or four of them that have where my life changed one was when i was 12 we waited all day in line almost got killed people were fighting throwing beer bottles it was raining on us for like 10 hours outside the cow palace we get You're up from to the, the bay front. area yeah yeah i've been here eight years you but, know dean yeah oh, okay. uh, but i know him more through uh, baked and brendan small huh guy he was such a fixture up there i thought you would know him from around there yeah well i was happy to know him from down here yeah he's and, got a uh, good podcast yeah he's got a great podcast he's the one who uh, kind of helped me get started on this like hey man what do i need do i need to oh yeah yeah I'll he, show you. he's like you got to get those clown nose microphone covers <laughs> <laughs> so i'd love to have him on the show too and he's a great singer too but great he, singer he don't do it anymore yeah. So uh, we'll, weird. We'll, we'll get him to do it. I saw him do it with. No, Brendan. no, he'll sing, but he yeah. like that's what used to be what he did. Yeah. Brendan Small's thing baked. Yeah. Saw you and him or a couple of times. Zach they moved it over the improv. I just don't like it over there. What, what's the difference between that and the big? I mean, obviously the big potato is a music club, but yeah, I, it just like got a different crowd. Like I, the last, the first time I did it over the improv, it just seemed a lot of people were there. They didn't know what they were seeing. Like you know, and it, yeah, right. you need in order for me to feel comfortable singing, they need to know what's up. You know, like it's not a comedy show. In a way, you know, and it's just like, I don't know. It's it just, I liked it in the music club better. Right. Well, you know, maybe it takes a little time to break in the new venue, but yeah. But anyway, I almost, oh, it's me. Sorry. So when you realize how much of this shit is tricks, you know, like you plug in any of these pedals, like I don't play with many yeah. pedals and I have so many of them and I, there's some earthquake or stuff. Surprisingly, I enjoy a phase pedal. <laughs> yeah. Well, it reminds you of the vibe or Leslie. It's all goes back. I don't back. know what it is. I don't know what it is. Like it's just like a phase pedal with some echo, but there's so many like dirty yeah. pedals, but like when you really get it pedaled up, like you realize just how much you, you, you know, you can get away with man. Like you can't get away with much yeah. when you're playing like this clean, yeah. you know? Like, you can't get away with that much. Well, it all comes back to pocket and groove and feel. And
want you to sing something. Oh, yeah. Hey, you got any lyrics? That's what you need to do. Is you should sing. Yeah. Sing some blues tunes. Do, wait, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Do you ever sing blues lyrics with your blues? Not really. Uh, Mark, you got to do it. I'm telling okay, you. Okay, all right. I will. It's, I'll you, work towards it. Well, that's, that really finishes the blues. I mean, blues by itself is not fully the real deal. But second of all, you've got the voice for it. You can do it, man. I don't know if I can. Um, I have a little bit. And it's weird how, how many lyrics elude me once I have to start singing them. It's like it's a practice. Did thing. jokes elude you at the very beginning? Or is that just your that just Not really. Yeah. Not, you know, not, you know, they, once you get them into your head, not unlike yeah. song lyrics, I think that through repetition that I could get them. But, you know, once you sort of, you know, bevel them into your brain, <laughs> you know, uh, like, you know, I could probably, I could probably sing most of Sympathy for the Devil, a few Velvet Underground songs, and the blues yeah. lyrics, um, they're not usually that, like, uh, I mean, some of them are so simple. What is that? That's sort of, I want you to rock me. Rock me all night long. Right? Could be, yeah. Yeah. And you can change and change them up any way you want. I mean, I would love to hear you do I'm tore down almost level with the ground or something like that. Oh yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. You know. I am the little red rooster. Too lazy to crow today. What is that thing though? Wait. Bing doom bing. Where is he going there? I I Dogs begin to bark. Hounds begin to howl. Begin to bark. Hounds begin to howl. Ain't no peace in the barnyard. The little red roosters on the prowl.
right on. That was great. I really, yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Sing when you're sitting around the house even. Just add a couple, get a little little repertoire. You got one song? So yeah, kind of, I'm trying to think about what songs I want to play, you know, when I play with some dudes. Yeah. Like um, they're not they're not blues songs per se, but like there's a, like a couple yeah. of songs that like I'd like to try to do something with, like the you know it's. Uh, <laughs> all it does. Was that Lou Reed? What is that? I walk with Jesus, and he would say, uh -huh, nah. it's a. It's, a, it's a, by a band called Spiritualized, Jay Spaceman, who was in Spaceman 3. But it's really yeah. like... Yeah, yeah, and I can't, I can't remember. Yeah. I walk with Jesus, and he would say, uh, like, the words just yeah. elude me in the moment. I've got to, like, you know, I've got to get on top of the words. Yeah, well, some songs are, you know, I mean, it's like they said on American Idol, man, song choice is crucial. Find the right song, one sits in your brain, one well, yeah, sits in your Jimmy voice. We some Jimmy Reed songs yeah. that I probably could get through. <laughs> yeah, you could do it, man. If you leave me, baby, say you won't be back, well, it will be the end of me, because I will have a... Heart attack, you better get some insurance on me, baby. Well, take out some insurance on me, baby. Cause if you ever, ever say goodbye, I'm gonna haul right off and die. Yeah, I love it. You don't know me, baby, like I know myself. I couldn't live if you should give all your love to someone else. You better get some insurance on me, baby. Take out some insurance on me, baby. Cause if you ever, ever say goodbye, I'm gonna haul right off and die.
I just like to point out that you just like had lyrics to two or three songs already just yeah. off the top of your head. So it's just about it's just yeah, about finding yeah. the right song, man. Yeah, it's yeah. It's in there. Yeah. I think it's great. Well, I think that's you, the other one yeah. that uh, yeah, Jimmy Reed's good, yeah. <laughs> great well, lyrics, don't man. Don't you know that I love Ooh. you? I, uh, then it goes up to the five, right? Honest I do. I never placed no one above you. Well, please tell me you love me. Stop driving me mad. When I woke up this morning, I never felt so bad. Man, that's great. That Wilson Pickett thing too. Like I just learned that thing too, which blew my mind. That kind of that 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 soul thing where they're sort of like that thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I love that thing though. You make me what feel like that? a music nerd to just say what that is. Go ahead. But <laughs> it could be like a secondary dominant, like this this is like a five chord of the five chord. Here's your five chord, B, right? right? Yeah. And this is like a five of the five. Oh, so interesting. Doing a little chromatic slide down to the secondary dominant. That's like a soul trick. That's like a muscle shoal thing. Yeah, and then where does that come from? The gospel? And uh, yeah, it goes, right? goes all the way forever, millions of years. Good times. I love your live interviews too. I really think, like, when you interview Terry Gross in front of an audience, man, you're just well. That killing. was that was a unique thing, that thing. But you always get fired up in front of a crowd when you're interviewed. You come up with all kinds of well, yeah, because then I'm yeah. got comic chops in there. <laughs> you got some serious comic chops. Now, real quickly, who who did the theme for you? For you know, down, 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 oh, down. Jo- who, John Montagna. What's the Lock the Gates thing from? John Montagna is a musician in Brooklyn. Yeah. And yeah. the Lock the Gates, we add those dubs in, but he laid down the music tracks. There's yeah. a video on YouTube of him making that yeah. track. Um, the Lock the Gates is my line from Almost Famous. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> it's like when I'm chasing the bus. Very cool. Now, on your show, Marin, too, there's a killer track, Four on the Floor, I think it is, yeah. Poison Well. That? Well, they, those are guys I was working with. They worked. Uh, some of them yeah. were involved with the the music. Um, what do they call uh, White Iris or White Black White Iris? I can't remember. Yeah. Like I'm no good at like giving people props because I forget everything. But they were they were banned at one time. There were a bunch of musicians, but they also do the licensing. You know, for a lot of like newer bands, so we could get yeah. cheaper songs. It costs a lot of money to close the the whole uh, the whole uh, show out with an iron and wine tune. That was a big expenditure. That show is just plain funny, man. Uh, did Thanks, you man. like? Did you write? Oh, like say the first episode. Did you write the whole script? Marin? Guess, yeah. 
Well, yeah. you know, we sat in a room with guys. It was my life, so I was one of the writers, <laughs> and I wrote a couple of full scripts. But usually TV writing is a group effort uh, on I, that level. Yeah, I figured, but some of those are so close. Well, they all moved through me. Everything had to go through me. I had, like, a, you know, I had to process it. They had, we sat in a room, and I'm like, can I say that? Can I not say that? How about this? I mean, a lot of the, all of that was happening. Like when you meet your ex-wife, and mm. she's pregnant with her new Ken doll husband. And oh, the like, spy you're, baby? You're looking at her. That's from a bit, yeah. <laughs> So that's your move? Yeah, that's your, that's a bit. <laughs> that's from a, a Marin bit. These bits are great. Now, who uh, who has made you? If if Obama barely made you nervous, who has me? Who have you been nervous before interviewing? Like it's kind of like on edge or just like wondering. I always get nervous because I you know the way I do it, I don't like I don't yeah. know what's going to happen in there. So I I, yeah. I I always get nervous. And like those, the ones where I really laid out, like those up on the wall, yeah. that's what my notes look like. The one on the left yeah. is for Keith. Looks like my notes. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I just load them up, and then I look down at them, and I, you know, there's Keith and Neil Young, and I think Orrin Michaels. Yeah. Um, Can I take pictures? Yeah. Sweet. Uh, who, uh, who, uh, who's up there? Oh yeah, Orrin Michaels. Which one's Keith? This one. Yeah, the other one on the left is Keith. I just can't thank you enough for your uh, podcast. It's always interesting to hear, like, the pursuit of happiness. Like you were the other day, you're talking about how. Things are going great. I got this hit series on yeah, Netflix. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I got the podcast is jumping. All this stuff. Now yeah. my homework is to be happy. You're talking like Dimitri Martin, I guess, and he's talking yeah, the same yeah. thing. And he's, he's a guy that I always he. I look at him and I think, man, that guy looks like he's so together, man. I mean, he looks like he, you know, got straight A's in school and just lived his ambitions out and everything yeah, yeah, went yeah. right. And then to, just to hear him talking about, well, it's a struggle for him to be happy. So that's uh. a really big service that you bring to people to humanize these yeah i don't know if it, i hope it doesn't come off like we're feeling sorry for ourselves just no, so no. I, you just you know you work you work you work and then you wonder what it's all for or what it's about or what happens now no it's not sorry for it. it's more like um what's the word alchemy you you take like the struggle and turn it into yeah yeah to a healing thing so anyway thanks for being on okay. no guitar yeah. i tried i tried <laughs> to do it all right man let's what take it out mean? on a little jammy like what do you want to do do how about a little... you enjoyed that little field trip over to abbey garage at mark Marin's house of course his podcast is wtf you can learn more at wtfpod.com man does he have some tone in his fingers and in that little amp you know i've been really fascinated 
with overdriving power tubes lately. You know, forget all the printed circuit board amps that are out there and all that. I've just been really into just a simple circuit. Crank that sucker, get your tone. But then what do you do if it's too loud? Well, I actually kicked down some cash and bought a Fryet PS2. This thing is ingenious. It's like a two-space rack where you can plug anything from a five-watt deluxe, which you can then crank it up and make it louder up to like 50 watts using the power station. Or you could take a 100-watt fire-breathing plexi that just, you know, rattles people's molars when it's cranked. Bring that sucker down to blues volume. Incredible. You can even add effects to it post power tubes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's a great thing, the Fryet power station. Thanks to Music Man for loaning me this Cutlass guitar, the new one with the humbucker in the bridge. What a what a pristine beast. That thing plays perfectly. I'm really digging that. It's actually got a buffered circuit in it. So it's active in that regard. So it keeps your signal going through all the pedals. Really interesting guitar. I'm digging it. It plays like a dream. Also digging the AxeFX AX8 do tons of recording with this thing and it goes great straight into the PA. When we were talking about Dean, that was Dean Del Rey, who has a great podcast called Let There Be Talk. He's also a fantastic comedian and rock and roll singer and Harley rider. Badass dude. I love Dean. Thanks to Adam Johnson for helping edit this show. Also, yes, Billy Butler played that great guitar solo that we were, uh, we were kind of unsure of his name there for a second which you know bad guitar journalist i'm talking to myself here but at least i remember most of his solo which is more important you want to compliment somebody learn their music and play it back to them (laughs) Uh, he was he was such a fine guitar player billy butler i think the first version of that came out on bill doggett's album or his single and he was a keyboard player I will take some photos and post them on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is Jude underscore gold. And of course, also on the Facebook page for No Guitar Is Safe. Thanks to Zoom for the H6 recorder. That's what I use to track this thing. And if you're new to No Guitar Is Safe, feel free to go back and check out all the other 51 episodes. We start off with a guy that throws down a lot of notes, Joe Satriani superhero guitar player right there but of course there's more blues cats josh smith wow robin ford acoustic grammy winning steel stringer lawrence juber paul mccartney in the wings fame what a guy what what an episode that was i loved hanging out with steve stevens for i think maybe that was our one year anniversary steve stevens billy idol's super sideman and right hand man and co-writer on so many great songs Who else? James Valentine, selling more records than probably any other guitar player around right now. Maroon 5, Greg Koch, Telly Torturer, Kat Dyson, she played with Prince, she is so funky. Also really enjoyed, of course, hanging out with Mike Scott, who played with Prince. Anyway, you're getting the idea, there's a bunch of them. Thank you all for listening. As Joe Satriani's teacher once told him, keep it alive, 295.